If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blubbity Blah. The Blubbity Blah. Sending out good vibes. Hey guys, welcome back to the America Show. Coming at you with episode 614, is it? I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. 614. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, it's Steve Farrell. Humanity, humanity code? Humanity's team and a new universal dream. Yeah. A new yeah. universal dream. Uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of interesting people on board with that. I mean, we're gonna just chatter amongst ourselves for a while in this intro, our lazy rambling. So there's a timestamp on when the interview actually starts. But but yeah, he's got, he's got a lot of people involved in this whole this whole nonprofit. And I mean, I, I like the I like the uh, the message and all that. But I did sort of ask him about you know discernment about sort of mainstream media lies and stuff like that, and hope he stays away from sort of pop culture, political partisan bullshit. You know, but. Um, Kind of got a little triggered at the beginning there. You uh, triggered? Well, you, you know, not triggered, just like, oh man, did you have to say that? And I wanted to go back and, and ask him about that. So I want to mention before I forget. You're highly did, triggerable, though. I can trigger have, you right now. We did have Judith Curry on, the Grand America Outlaw. That just came out. And she's been a climate scientist for decades, pushing back on, you know, she agrees with some of the narrative, but she doesn't really agree with the solutions. And what and how they're she treated with almost the whole narrative. She might uh, not be all in on CO2 though. Or is she? I think she's more in on CO2 than other stuff, you know. But anyways, well, that's kind yeah. of a good chat of like where we sort of maybe sort of our stance on the whole climate change thing, but my, my well, stance I, on climate change. Yeah, well, I mean, it's how much do you... I mean, most of the stuff we agreed with her on, I think. My stance is I don't give a fuck what it's doing. Freedom reigns supreme. <laughs> That's my stance. Yeah. So how you been? I mean, we have oh, some dude. people that are worried about you. There's some I, people that are worried dude, about you. Out there. I know, so, but, I, but, but I don't want to... I don't want to... I can't give an explanation. Just like, it's just... So last last Monday, I think it was probably... Like the big news was, you know, our, our, our audiobook revenue was in jeopardy and that was like a huge blow. Like, and I think it, I had a pretty bad week before that. A lot of things breaking down. So that's still happening. I mean, my car is not getting fixed properly. It's not getting fixed at all right now. Like, they have Wait, what? The car? I haven't even, see, you don't even know about that. I mean, that's. So is that, wait, is that the, the place on the right on the way out of town there? No, 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 no. This is a performance auto place. Yeah. So is it the same people that did the engine? Yeah. Well, that's right. Fuel. Buddy recommended the them, right? The high pressure fuel pump is. No, no, he didn't recommend them. No, I found them on my own. He couldn't do it. Yeah. 
he, he wouldn't touch the whole engine. He didn't want to touch that stuff. So, anyways, like that's that reason being is I just recommended him for the new company, uh, like odds and ends, you know. Oh, I think that's great. I think he's great for stuff like that. Yeah, I don't mind him. I trust him a little bit. No, I I go take my tires and my brakes and all to him totally. Yeah. He's your perfect little guy. He's not the main, like, you know, the cow tire thing, right? He's like, he's got his own little business and he's fair. I and teach you how to do your brakes. Like, they're so easy. Dude, I'm not going to waste my time trying to do that in a garage with no fucking tools, dude. I'm not. Like, I can do it. Of course I can do it. It's. You save, you'll save oh, hundreds of dollars. You get a little testosterone. I'd be making hundreds of dollars in my office reading books if that was a fucking, God, anymore. fucking yeah. project. I mean, we don't even know. <laughs> so, I mean, this is just a, it's just a, an, a, just an onslaught of just shit breaking down. And then there's a lesson in there for me. There's something. So then what happens last week after, after our revenue is in complete jeopardy, like I'm, you know, well, it didn't happen. I mean, it's that in jeopardy. They didn't. They still didn't has, yeah. I mean, you've done a good job of trying to, trying to like, you know, talk to them and figure out what's going on and, and we'll figure it out. But then I get a fucking, I mean, you know the story. So, but I get a, that's right. I'll listen again. I get a, an increase from my, from my landlord, a month's notice. And the, the rent goes. Give up. people a minute to, to just guess in their head. Let's yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So I, I, I had to rent the basement suite Let's for a while. Give it out and let them know what you're paying. Yeah, yeah. I know, no, I will, I will. So I had to rent the basement suite extra for a while. There's a, it's a long story about like helping somebody else out and stuff. And 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 so I was paying twenty six hundred for this house. Guess what they wanted to go? Well, guess what their increase went to? I mean, this is this is gonna be fascinating for people in BC and Ontario who have some rental increase rate restrictions what 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 is a possibility of like what could your rent jump to i can't guess because you already told me but i was i I guessed i guessed what i thought was like super high and it was way more and i had people guess that it was four thousand so it went up to four thousand from 2600 so it's over a 50 percent increase now and i kind of you know i mean the so what's worse than that is I got an email from the landlord with a bunch of fucking lies and accusations about me, which was super creepy. Like, it's like, what are you, what are you trying to say here? What are you doing? Like, and we had to turn the basement suite into like, she spent a bunch of money turning it into an official suite with a separate furnace. And she's trying to blame me for that. Like I told you, I don't need a special suite, down, an official suite down there. Like it's very creepy. So I think we're going to have to the bail from this place and, so it, but that was just like to end it all off, right? Last week I was taking somebody to a, a care home, and and then I get this, this, uh, this note, which sort of threw us through another loop. So, and I checked with the rental thing. I had to call the place, and they said, you know, no, it's three months. You're under an implied month to month. So we were out of our lease, and we're on a month to month. And I'm used to the tenants being fairly protected. The lease was more for the landlords where I came from. And it's, it still seems to be like, it still seems to be like that they, they're, I'm under an applied month to month and they should give us three months notice, not one month's notice. But of course she tries to get away with the one month's notice. And it's just like, and she's got 152 houses, I think something that she's like a, basically like one of these massive landlords that owns a whole bunch of property that just sort of knows the system, knows what they can get away with. And 
I don't know why. Oh, she's knit. losing her fucking shirt right now. That's why well, I do have some sympathy for that. Like, and I understand the argument for like, I mean, it hasn't gone up since we moved here, which was March 2020, right at the beginning of COVID. It hasn't gone up. So, you know, so you could say like, okay, well, like, let's say if it was in BC or Ontario, go up five or 10% every year, potentially, they'd probably keep you in a lease and up at every, up, up at the maximum amount every year. So it might be up to, you know, three or something, right? I don't know what would that be. Twenty six. Uh, well, ten percent would be two hundred and sixty dollars times two, so it would be up to thirty one hundred or something like that. You know. So we're like, do we sublease the downstairs and stay here? But I mean, it's just so fucking noisy here too. The backyard's got like three super noisy families. Like I'm just like, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get somewhere quiet. This is nuts. I just can't can't handle it anymore. I just want to be. Closer to nature, closer to quiet, <laughs> not in the city. I've so t- I've changed so much where the city was my backyard. And I was doing yoga a couple times a week, and now I just like, oh, you're a curmudgeon. I'm a curmudgeon. It's bound to happen. Yeah. So that's, I mean, yeah. that's just to top it all off. So, I mean, I not even even got into like the stuff that's broken down. I mean, everything's broken, everything's breaking down. We we recorded with somebody, uh, Michael Ryder, Michael Ryder, and it, and it was last. I think we recorded last week, and it was just all this was happening. So um, he had a pretty interesting take on it. But I kind of opened up a little bit on that episode, which will be coming out soon. It's on, I think it's on YouTube and and uh, Rumble right now. There you have it. Yeah, like I said, we have a couple of things we're playing with on that. On the audiobook end of things, but as I said in the newsletter that I sent out, the audiobook end of things accounts for over 70% of our uh, revenue and our income that helps us keep the lights on, keep everything going. You know, if an event comes up short, the audiobook money is able to fill in the gap. If there's oh, yeah. subscribers for Graham to not work, the audiobook money, you know, fills the gap on that. No, and just and just so people know too, like both podcasts, Grammarica a lot and Grammarica. I mean, we're happy with the way the way they go and how it's going and all, but that's just not even enough, right? Without the audiobook money, we wouldn't even be able to, to do it. No, it's not. It's not uh, the audiobook money is was sort of what made it all what made it all cruise along. Like I say, we're not out of options there, but our options seem to be on pause. They've halted payment until it's figured out. So we didn't get this month's payment that we we're expecting that pays the rent and all that sort of lovely stuff. But at this point, we're still semi-confident, pretty confident. I'd say pretty confident we can figure it out. We'll keep you guys updated on where it goes. But right now, you know, over the next couple of weeks are trying times in the Grand America bank accounts, head over grandamerica.ca slash support. If you can, when you can, if you've been getting some value from the show, over the last decade plus, 614 episodes. Maybe there's never been a better time to send a little value back our way, whether it's a one-time donation or a new monthly subscription. Whatever you can do to give us a little pat on the back, let us know you're out there and uh, help us get through at least this month. Hopefully by next month it's figured out. If it's not, we'll let you know. 
I mean, should you read that read that email newsletter and read the hot, the points on that? I mean, it's a pretty good summary of of what's been going on. You know. Well, do you you can read it? I can read it. Do you want me to I wrote it. You try and find it. it? You're the narrator, motherfucker. Why do you want me to try and find it? Crazy. Would it be in that? Uh, would it be in my normal email? Probably. Eh? It's probably in your junk. Maybe you have like a thirty percent open rate on the newsletter, so it could be in your junk. Seems to go in a lot of people's junks. That being said, we got like a uh, thirty-seven or thirty to thirty-seven percent fail rate on uh, mostly Stripe subscriptions, but also some PayPal. So if you're a Stripe customer and you think you're supporting the show, please double check that. Make sure you're still on there. Stripe's a bit of a motherfucker. Uh, from PayPal, double check that too because we wouldn't cancel on you. We don't cancel anything, but uh, it happens more than you'd think. You know, it's funny. I can't search it because it's, uh, it's, um, like Rimerica will just pull up everything. So what, what would I, uh, how would I search it? Silence. Silence. That's right. I wrote it. I've been, uh, of course, people want to check out my writing. They can hover to indigenous opinions. That's my Substack. It's a Canadian shame.substack.com. Canadian shame.ca if you want to get the books. And I, <clears throat> and I'm on, yeah, and we've got Outlawed on Substack, too, Grimerica Outlawed. And, and I'm on Twitter now because Darren can't get his back. So it's Grimerica Outlaw on Twitter. Please follow me. I'm trying to get that going so we can we can use that for some maybe marketing and stuff, too. But you guys are our best marketers. But here's here's Darren's. Uh, Darren's uh, How many followers are you up to? Newsletter. And you can and sign up to the newsletter, too. That's a good way to keep you. Oh, I don't know how many followers, a couple hundred, I guess, or something. It's been a good start. I'm super happy with it, but it's it's really, really strange being on Twitter. Um, so this is called Silent Voices Standing Strong in the Face of Censorship. In a world of suppressed expression, your support matters now more than ever. So we talk about the key, the, the uh, audiobook stuff and all that. And then he says, since uh, declining to partake in COVID measures and border screening protocols and writing books and taking a stance generally critical of the government, we have found ourselves kicked off of Twitter permanently and denied countless appeals, suspended seven out of 12 months from Facebook, searched at every border crossing, land or air this year, and have been informed this will continue at every crossing moving forward. Darren's personal Instagram account can't be shown to non-followers. The Grimerica show Instagram is shadow banned. We can't live, we can't go live on Facebook or Instagram for 180 days. Our Kindle account has been deleted twice and banned, as well as Graham's and other friends' accounts for being associated. Our audiobook publishing account has been recently banned. One of our YouTube's channels has been deleted. The other is permanently in strike mode. Our ability to trend or show up in iTunes charts has been removed. Several of our episodes have been removed from Spotify. Discord was also canceled or deleted. My account anyway. So some of that's mine. Some of that's Darren's. Some of that's both the of them. server our. got deleted, too. The you Discord server in it anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, right. If you were an admit in that tainted server, I was, yeah, I was deleted. I, I was deleted previously. Then our then our server. And you got lost deleted. any other servers you were an admin in, got deleted as well by association. Yeah, so we're not shutting up and we're not stopping. Live free or die. Consider joining our chats, newsletter, or Telegram channels to stay in touch. And as always, please support the shows. So everybody can everything can be found at grammarica.ca. So yeah, that's your newsletter out of uh, Substack. That's a good idea. I like it. 
Well, I just got sick of paying MailChimp when Substack will do it for free. Yeah. You know, it just seems to make it. I mean, MailChimp has its pluses. Don't get me wrong, but I'll take Substack. I like the interface. I'm using it all the time anyway. Yeah. We're so. seeing great, great articles on there from other people too. It's amazing. Yeah, so, I'm a big Substack fan. So what about you? I guess we talked about your trip on the last intro, right? You, you were just back. Uh, I have transitioned now from holiday. I'm sharpening broad broadheads while you were. You're sharpening broadheads. While, while you were yapping. Well, I have my like ones in my quiver that I've never been shot before. Four of them. <laughs> that I save. But if one ends up getting shot, like I shot one on a rabbit the other day and missed. Or even if you hit, I hit a deer. I don't know if I talked about that on the show, but oh, Friday, the week ago, Friday, I did get my first bow kill. Big game with the bow. Took down a deer, a whitetail at 49 yards. I think we did talk about it. I think it was right before the sh the intro. It was Sunday. It was a week Sunday, a week Sunday, right? It was Friday. I believe it was Friday. A week, not just last Friday, but the Friday before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 But you, but you also used it. You also shot some other stuff with it, didn't you? Recently, the grouse. So, no, that's just a shotgun. Oh, a shotgun. <sighs> Shooting grouse out in the prairies. There's lots of grouse this year. It's crazy. So I'm excited about that. We've seen. Uh, must have been close to. I'd say over fifty for sure. The problem was we were going. It was. I'm the only one with a gun. It was just me and Shauna. So, you'd go in like. You know, gross are bumping all over the place. You can only shoot at so many. I'm using that. I think I was using number seven shot too. I might go down to number six or maybe even nine. Six is probably good. But I got enough for dinner. So we were able to clean a couple up and have dinner out there. I got the barbecue in the back of the truck. How's that barbecue. pretty good? Like fresh like that? Oh, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. You just butterfly them up. You could even like mash them with a rock between two rocks and like really and then fry it. But we just had the barbecue. So it was good. It was dinner. It's always nice to just go out and catch dinner. I was looking for some antelope. We've seen a few. You let some go apparently you said? Didn't. Uh, yeah, I've been, uh, well, it's baby season. So I really ran into, I want a bear. I would like to shoot a bear this year with my bow. Oh my and, God. Uh, no. Why would you do that? Both what? What? I'm mostly doing the bow thing, I think. Why would you do a bear I'll... with a bow, dude? Why not? At least until oh. all the white boys pull the rifles out, then I'll pull mine out. But uh, I like to get the bow out now because here's the problem. is Around here it gets fucking... Calgary's huge. Edmonton's huge. So there's... I mean, it is the best hunt in the world. But uh, to the, the spots that are easily or maybe not even easily accessible but the spots that are accessible within a reasonable drive from either city so you don't have to go for a week or go for three or four days because it takes you hours and hours and hours and hours to get there a day to get there and a day to get back type thing so all the other spots i mean i've got some spots that once the regular season starts up You'll go and on a there'll be fucking twelve trucks there, <laughs> right? You know, it's just or like you go on the mountain roads and 
they're looking for a place to walk in and it's just like truck parked on the side of the road truck park, and that's all just where guys walked in you know so you don't want to walk in there he could be sitting in a tree stand someplace where he's in there hunting i don't know looking to get shot so i try and get my bow stuff out of the way now um, before it gets crowded yeah, but why? I mean, isn't that sort of risky taking a chance with a bear and a bow? I mean, what if you yeah, like how many times you got to hit it? I mean, you got your a moose will fuck you up too. Well, well, you shouldn't be shooting a moose with a bow either, really. I mean, unless oh, you're yeah, yeah all of it. You're out of bow. I'm doing all bow on everything. What do you do when the bear starts charging at you after you've shot it once? Well, like, Miles fucking shoots it with a shotgun. Oh, he's if okay. it gets real. But I'm then, a, I mean, do I they even hurt. go down with a shotgun? I mean, oh yeah, whisper. I mean, if you if you get the people are hunting bears with bows all the time, and like big bears, grizzly bears. Kodiak, Is there somewhere you should hit it properly? Like, where's the yeah, best one? Heart? heart or the oh, lung? Wow, it's cool. It's a, like a rush, dude. So we were. Well, of course, I wasn't hunting bears. I was out hunting bear with my gun, uh, in the spring, but didn't find any. But now we've been out on the on the lease, and there's a bunch of Saskatoons there, and there's wild raspberries everywhere, dude. So it's literally like walking around. You're talking on Saskatoon Berry, right? Yeah, it's the same place I take you, I took you hunting moose, except you go up that hill all the way through the bush, all the way up to the top of that hill, and then it opens up to a, a huge hill, and that goes down to a field and some more forest down on the other side. But down around that whole corner is just like hundreds and hundreds. There's hundreds of Saskatoon bushes and trees on that property. They're everywhere. And same with raspberries. You just if you start looking down around now in berry season, fucking everywhere. Like literally we're hunting, we're just reaching down and eating eat eating Saskatoons. I'm actually going out to set up the trail cam uh and I'm gonna pick a bunch of them, I think. Bring home, maybe get Sean to make a pie or some shit. But uh, point being, there's we we're finding bear shit and it's just loaded with berries where we're out deer hunting. And uh, I'm like, ooh, because you hear the stories that the bears, when they're full of berries, they're delicious. So I'm like, I'll get a bear, I'll turn it into breakfast sausages and stuff like that. And I'll uh, get a sweet rug out of the deal as well. So do you do you save your like your your butt your arrows that you haven't shot at all? Like do they get damaged quite a bit? Is that what you're saying? Like Well, I mean the ones in my quiver that have never been shot are razor, razor, razor sharp. So those are just like they're in mint condition. You'll save those like and if you go out for like a bear hunt, you'll save that and you'll have that available for your first shot kind of thing. Yeah, at least until I sharp get them sharpened. Once they're sharpened again, they're good to go. But don't they, I mean, I mean, they're they're probably good to go anyway. They're hitting that shit with enough force, but it's no, just but the like, shaft might as well have a sharp piece of shafts, like, right? What's that? The shafts must get damaged too, and the feathers a little bit too. I yeah, mean, the shaft is toast, I assume. Like mine was toast when I shot the deer, but it busted its back out. So it wasn't even a great shot, but it took it down. Wow. Anyway. So we're out deer hunting. There's also elk and moose on that lease. It's just loaded with animals. It's crazy. Bears, everything. So when you say lease, you mean like that's that's part it's of... Technically the- what it's called is an agricultural lease. 
all these weird lease systems for people running cattle back in the day so they couldn't own this land technically. But they but they can use so they can use the land, but they don't really own it. So it's crown land that's leased, kind of. Yeah, exactly. And you can contact the leaseholders and get permission to go. Other ones you don't need to contact. It's no contact required. So uh, anyway, we were out there bow hunting for deer or elk or whatever. So you creep around doing some scouting. And I was creeping over a hill. I feel there's going to be something there. And I heard, I got most of the way over, I heard a branch, branch break. That's your so I'm thinking, that's your right away, I'm thinking it's an elk or a moose. I just spooked in the branches, like right there, dude, like 12 feet away. I'm like, fucking boom, something big. And uh, it was a bear. It was a big black bear. So I was going to like, I thought about shooting it, but it all happened kind of fast. So I just kind of back out to assess the situation. I was with Sean and Miles. So I'm like, bear, there's a bear there. So you sort of back out, wait to see if it's going to come out. Bears don't really run from you either, though. You know, they're not, you know, they're, they're not skittish. But they ended up having had a couple of cubs with it. So, uh, so I left it be. And then we startled a whitetail a little later on, but it had a fawn with it as well. So we let it be. But I had it on my sights at 20 yards. But what are you going to do? So speaking there, I didn't have on my sights. We backed out, and then we seen the cubs, and then left. But it's hard going hard now. I mean, I'm going to set up the trail cam this week. Get that going. I've got because the first elk rut is coming up quick, man. In a couple weeks, two weeks till that'll probably start. What is that for people that don't? That's when I can like call them in. That's when I can call an elk in. Is it horny or whatever? Horny, horny, yeah. So yeah, when they're horny. Get speaking of, of land, do you have any, is there, was there an update on that lawsuit or something? I mean, wasn't there a settlement or something I saw? There was another one, but that was like, that was, so that's Miles' treaty. Yeah, they just got a settlement. 10 billion, I think. Talk about that or is that not? Well, I, I'm going to wait. Meeting on it all starts in, uh, I want to see what the numbers are like, how much each of them are getting and stuff okay. like that. So that you're talking about like a, this is a, a lawsuit against the government for land or something, right? From a bunch of treaties. So we'll, we'll bring that up on a different show, maybe, maybe on our out, one of our outlawed uh, plus shows. Yeah. Something like that. That sounds, yeah. So we're doing these outlawed plot, these extra outlaws, maybe not the plus, but so there's extra free outlaws every week. Just Darren and I going over sort of current events and stuff. And also uh, pluses every second week, which are subscriber only where we can talk about the more, censorious stuff mostly covid stuff a lot of covid stuff and people drop trans to the quack scene what else you got homie oh i got a couple quotes i don't have the jingles handy but let's have it the jingles handy okay well these are I mean, this is, I'm, I'm going to this, like, this is my, this is because it's still going on. I mean, the, oh, were we, um, the fake disclosure? Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess we were. Dude, that guy just says, I believe he, that, that dude doesn't sound like he's seen shit to me. I, well, he hasn't, Oops. he hasn't seen anything. This is the point no, of it. He's, a whistleblower. he's, he knows about all the stuff that's going on. He's a whistleblower because he knows about all he the programs. But he hasn't seen the program. So he just, he's like another fucking, he's a repeat of Buddy. Who's Buddy? Bob Lazar, too. 
No, Bob was like working on this stuff. This guy's not even working on the stuff, you know? He's a shittier Bob Lazar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not, believe me, I'm not, I'm just excited that this is all happening. I don't, I'm not buying any of it. I mean, it's just interesting that the mainstream all of a sudden is talking about aliens. Like, aliens are real. Like, oh, all of a sudden, ET's real. So the disclosures pretty much happened. I mean, and nobody believes it. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, all the memes, like, I, I, I want to believe, but now the government says so, so I don't believe. Yeah. You you had that meme up, I think. How does that make you feel? Uh I think it's fine. Well, I still believe I still believe. I just don't believe what the the, the government's gonna control the disclosure, that's all. They're just gonna control that one percent or whatever of of it. One percent? Or they're gonna use sorry, they're gonna use one percent of it to control the narrative, you know, use a small amount of truth in there to control that, to control the disclosure narrative. Do you think there'll be evil aliens? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what the big conspiracy is, right? That they're going to come out and say, well, we're under attack or whatever, right? This is the like, the, not good, right? The blue beam thing. Yeah. Will it unite us like Reagan said? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. I think they've overplayed everything. I don't think anything's going to unite us. I, I really don't think anything. There's just going to be a, a schism and a split in society for people that want freedom and people that want to believe that there's a way to pay, pay your governments to help with the greater good. I mean, this is where it's, I think this is where it's going. We're in for a long, long haul of this. Fine. That's my opinion. I don't see how it could let up. I don't see. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, hopefully it'll ex escalate a little bit. We're in the middle of a mass execution right now, though. So I got, I got some, uh, I got some of my favorite researchers. Uh, so you can, I mean, you can guess to see who these are if you want. So modern, science, what? Is yeah. yeah Fuck. Thanks. Modern science rules over a narrow universe. One particular variation on an infinite theme. That was valet. Who's this one? Ufology is just now becoming to. Oh, hang on a sec. Ufology is just now beginning to come into being as an inexact science, and the field is a disorganized bedlam of egos. Friedman. That's John Keel. Should I find? Should I find another one? These are fun. Are they? I suppose they are. The, the, yeah, because these are old, right? So it really provides context to how long this 80 years of secrecy, right? Don't forget, there's been thousands of real sightings, thousands of abductions and real sightings. And I mean, that's a real phenomena there. And how is the phenomena going to react to the government pulling the wool over eyes? Right? That's the big question. When they have already been reacting to the government pulling Well, no, but now everybody believes, right? So that's, the consciousness is is happening. We're all connected. We're all one. So when everybody believes, that's going to tip, the tipping point has happened. What's Grant Cameron saying? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I would like to know what he's saying. So here's the, here's the next quote. When the history of ufology is written up, let it not be said that the first organization in ufology was ignored. I mean already ignored but that was J. Allen Hynek on APRO 
appropriate for the week. All right, guys, support the show. Seriously, we can't uh, can't do it without you. And uh, we're on the verge of not being able to do it. So, America.ca slash support if you can, when you can. Check out everything else we're up to at America.ca. We'll keep you posted on how it's going. Other than that, enjoy the chat with Humanity's own Steve Farrell. Farrell, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm great. Hey, thank you for having me. Really looking forward to your program here. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to talking about these big picture things. And and I mean, you guys really seem to to be walking the walk, you know, like the, talk about changing the world. I mean, it comes up on every show, right? But you guys seem to be just going forward, connecting with all these great leaders. I mean, a lot of the guys we've had on the show before, but a lot of a lot of these uh, fantastic thought leaders in the world and and uh putting it all together and changing humanity. So good job. Thank you. Well, it's a, it's a calling, not a career for me and all of these incredible people that I work with at humanities team. And, and uh, as we know, also, we are in the midst right now of the greatest shift that this planet has ever seen uh, by a long shot. So it's a, uh, it's an important time, you know, where we all follow our callings and uh, just as you all are with your great podcast here. So you're noticing a big shift then? I am noticing a big shift. Yeah. The media isn't reporting on the big shift, but <laughs> there's actually evidence of, of a big shift that's going yeah. on. So, and this, so let's talk, let, maybe let's talk about this thing, this initiative. I know you, uh, you kind of, you've been involved in the, uh, the humanities thing for 20 years now. Um, and we'll talk about your book as well, but, but in 2022, you guys kind of sort of uh, created a couple new initiative or a new initiative here to, to, to kind of, uh, you know, open up a, a platform for the world, basically. Do you want to talk about that? And and is that sort of helped help this shift as well? I would love to talk about this initiative. And it, it is, as you mentioned, it's a year old. We, uh, and humanities team, so we're a 501c3 nonprofit based in the United States, but we're, we're uh, all over the world. Uh, our, our co-founder is Neil Donald Walsh, who, of course, wrote the Conversations with God book series. And so a year ago, Neil and our humanities team and his other uh, organization called the Conversations with God Foundation, and actually many other leaders that we work with, Michael Bernard Beckwith, Suzanne Giesman, many, many, I won't try and name them all, but we all came together to announce this initiative called Changing Humanity's Future. 
which sounds like a big lift, and it is. But the beautiful thing about this initiative is it goes upstream and is a remedy. It heals uh, all of these things that we're dealing with as individuals out in the world, isolation, anxiety, depression, feeling disempowered, and on and on on the individual level. And then on the collective level, it's a remedy and heals uh, things like global warming, the extreme weather, which... And let me stop on extreme weather. As we know, in uh, in Western Canada, you know, you've got these fires and there's this smoke now that's uh, extending out all the way east. Uh, we've got uh, hurricanes. There were two hurricanes in the Atlantic Ocean because of the warmer temperatures. Uh, they've never had two hurricanes in June before. So the extreme weather is getting worse. Uh, and then we've got uh, the war in the Ukraine, et cetera. Now, Uh, So here's the good news, though, is when we live consciously, which is what humanities team is all about as a nonprofit, as we know, I know it's true for you all. It's true for your your listeners. When we live consciously, we're a force for good. We we affect positive change. It's who we become, because part of living consciously is this is following uh, is living into what science is affirming now, which is that we are all one, that there's this diversity and unity, that there's a unified field is what Albert Einstein called it. Uh, Nassim Harriman has picked up that work and brought in the equations that demonstrate that everything from protons and atoms to you know quantum level objects to cosmological objects, galaxies, and everything in between, physical and non-physical, is one energy. It's one energy, which is a vibrational universe. There's this uh, vibrational universe, and all of life, all of humankind, the earth, animal life, plant life, all of it is is part of that one energy. So when we live consciously, we we in, in in some sense, actually using Albert Einstein used the same metaphors. We we kind of move out the fence post. So it's no longer self-identifying as me and my wife and my two kids, where we see this oneness, this diversity and unity that is the beauty of our planet here, and it's actually the whole of the universe. But but in the, on this planet, we uh, go to our station in life and do the things that we're called to do that help to affect this positive change, create health and well-being and alchemy. And so this initiative says that by 2040, okay, and that's just in 17 years, that we make conscious living pervasive worldwide. Uh, and, and, and the reason we say we can do this is because, again, uh, there are many of us, you all, uh, your listeners are already living this way. What the, the problem here is just that this, what we're calling a remedy, is not being held up yet by the media and leaders all over the world as the thing that goes all the way upstream and heals these individual and collective problems. So this is the big thing we're doing now is we're getting in front of the media, talking about the initiative and saying, hey, come in. Bring a microphone to all of us that are involved in this conscious living thing. Understand what it is. We want to make it public. We want the earth to know about it. Not everybody's going to agree with this, but there are many of us that will. Why? Because we're actually already living it. Uh, and I'm not so sure everybody that's living it has been thinking that this is the key. You know, just focusing on, on, on this, doing it individually as families and communities and collectively out in the world is the thing. 
So, uh, so that's what we're doing with the initiative. We yesterday we actually had our big update. So Neil and myself and Suzanne Giesman and Deborah Poneman and and other leaders all came in live for 90 minutes, and we talked about the initiative, all of the success that we've had already, and these other steps that we're getting ready to take. So, and the other thing, the thing I like about it is it's it's kind of uh, bringing together this a spiritual reality, you know, like a non, um, you know, like a non ex- an extended consciousness reality, not this materialistic thing that we're kind of stuck in right now. So whatever religion or whatever sort of spiritual thing you, you belong to, I'm a su- supposing is kind of fits in with this sort of, there must be sort of a main sort of uh, theme that, like you said, it's all one, we're all connected. Um, I think that's an important thing that is missing from the mainstream sort of narrative, you know, which is kind of based in this materialistic reality. Yes, it's true. And, and in a sense, we have spiritual illiteracy. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, gosh, back to the ancients, you know, Plato and Hippocrates, these were uh, leaders that lived in 450 BCE, 2,500 years ago. They were, they were talking about this, that were spiritual beings living in physical bodies. And now we've got science all around us, uh, Nobel Prize for Physics here in October of last year to three uh, physicists said that, that were, uh, whose work is entanglement, where we're looking at two different sides of the universe with no physical connection that are affecting each other. Uh, we're everywhere. This evidence is surfacing that we're, we're spiritual beings, that we, you know, the Rumi quote, that we're, we're not just a drop in the ocean, that we're the whole ocean and a drop, which means that uh, the properties of the ocean, or we could call it the universe, or we could call it the divine, as we do in humanities team, those properties are our properties, which means we have everlasting life, which means we have uh, unlimited potential. Um, we have, let me just, since I'm talking about things like everlasting life for people that might wonder about me when I say that. Uh, so again, we're a nonprofit. We were the largest nonprofit in transformational education. We have actually the most sophisticated streaming platform for conscious education in the world right now. And uh, so we work with the near-death experience leaders that are out in the world. We work with these mediums that are astounding and that draw hundreds of thousands of views whenever they do YouTube. People like Suzanne Giesman, Karen Noe, James von Prague. We're now doing a campaign with Dr. Eben Alexander. He's the one that wrote Proof of Heaven uh, back about 10 years ago that became a New York Times bestseller all over the world. When you work with these leaders in near-death experience and mediums, as we do every day, uh, you know, the, the, the evidence is overwhelming uh, that, that, that there's a non-physical realm, you know, that we, when we, uh, it's true, we all grew up with the science that our bodies die, you know, we go to uh, dust and bones and we're, we're buried six, six feet under. That's all true. There's nothing untrue about it. It's just that it's a very incomplete science because all of the newer science is coming in and saying, but we're spiritual beings that inhabit the body. Uh, and the brain is actually just a transceiver that this yeah. one conscious, this universal consciousness that animates all of life. Most of us have heard that term, a universal consciousness that animates all of life, but it's true. It really does work that way. So in a sense, we're all faces of that one consciousness that we can call universe or cosmos, if we like, or love or life or 
the humanities team, we call it the divine. It doesn't really matter what we call it, but but it is true. We're spiritual beings inhabiting a physical body. How come some people get, you know, shitty bodies? You know, maybe their legs don't work or they get some weird deformities when they're young or they die young from some weird disease. You know, is that something that's that you think is like a precondition? That's something they chose to go through or how does that sort of, how do those sort of shitty outcomes factor in? So that's a great question. And boy, uh, so let me tell you a story. Uh, one of the great leaders in humanities team, we're, we're 20 years old this month. So June, 2003. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Launched humanities team in Wilsonville, Oregon. We had uh, just a little under a thousand people there. Uh, so, and one of the leaders that joined us back in that early days, his name was Gabriel Abruge. He lived in, uh, uh, down in Argentina and he was our country coordinator there. We have over 65 country coordinators around the world. Uh, Gabriel was this good looking, just smart guy, uh, that in his teen years was uh, with three friends going fishing when uh, he was hit head on. The other three, uh, left the planet transitioned uh, and Gabriel lived, but was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life as a quadriplegic. Um, and Gabriel understood and, and Gabriel would have the biggest smile on his face. He, I say, I'm talking past tense because uh, a year and a half ago, he did transition. You can't live that long, you know, in a wheelchair, you get into your early fifties and that's really as long, your body can't live in a wheelchair any longer. So he did transition, but uh, he knew and would share that he, he selected that uh, before he came into this life, that he was going to, from a wheelchair, if you can have the faith, you know, that we're spiritual beings and you can be this force for positive change when we talk about conscious living, really devote your life to it in a supreme way. And you're quadriplegic and you're always smiling. Uh, it's so unbelievably inspiring. So, yes, to, to your question, I believe people that have these uh, affirmities uh, that this, they they were the brave ones, the courageous ones come before they came into this life that said, I'm going to just inspire the heck out of the planet. Even if it didn't happen in this life, like it happened, like they were born that way, same thing? Yeah. If they were born that way, the same thing. And we've probably, we've all seen these videos of some that, that make it there that uh, are only two and a half feet tall and they only have use of their arms or just their legs or, and they're incredibly inspiring. Now, some of us, you know, on this planet, we have darkness and we have light, right? So, and some of us can get lost in that, including people with these kinds of affirmities that where we can uh, be lost and we can feel as a victim. And as you, we all know, plenty of people that uh, have healthy bodies that feel as victims. So that's part of what this whole conscious living thing invites people to, is we understand that we're powerful creators and we're not victims. And even if we're like Gabrielle in a wheelchair, boy, I'll tell you, that man would smile more every day, all day than anybody I know. I mean, he was such an incredible uh, inspiration to the world around him. And there are lots of people like that. Maybe before we move on to other topics, you can go go over some of the, like, I like how you guys have this uh, these actions, the action steps here that seem very much like that, taking sort of responsibility, you know, being in, being in love, um, you know, being a steward of the earth and your body. Like it, it just seems like a lot of common sense, really. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, so that initiative changing humanity's future uh, 
com and org. You can you can Google it just or just go to you know it's, that's the web address changinghumanitiesfuture.org or com. You'll go right to the page uh, that you're talking about here now, Graham. And uh, on this page, once you get to the page, then there are all of these resources. There's one is right near the top. It says confirmations of a conscious reality. So it's a hyperlink. You can't miss it. It's big, heavy near the top of the page. Click on that. And then you'll see, I mentioned the Plato quote, there's a Hippocrates quote, Sir James Jeans, Erwin Schrodinger, another Nobel Prize winner, uh, Albert Einstein, of course, uh, all of these scientists, you'll see their quotes where they say the universe is not, there's not no such thing as consciousness in the plural. It's a singular, it's a universal consciousness of which we are all a part. You'll see all of the scientists including these highly regarded scientists that share that. And then these other leaders back to antiquity in the BCE timeframe, all the way to the present time with their own quotes around conscious living. And then below that is the conversations with God quotes. And again, Neil Donald Walsh, a co-founder of Humanities Team, has nine series of books, including the last book called Awaken the Species, which is all about changing humanity's future. It's, I, I like to, I tell Neil, it's the big, he, he convened the big global conversation with God, where he asked the, the tough questions. And then this wisdom came through that was so astounding. And, and keep in mind, he was somebody eating uh, food uh, out of trash cans, right, when he started writing book one. Uh, and, and yet, the wisdom in these conversations with God books was so astounding that for 57 weeks, uh, Conversations with God was on the New York Times bestseller list. People everywhere were reading it. Larry King Live and ABC, NBC, all of the television stations were picking them up. And they were saying, where's this wisdom coming from? You know, people really can't get their head around this wisdom. Uh, and of course, the book labels that wisdom, where it's coming from. Uh, everybody has to decide for themselves. But in this last book called Awaken the Species, it lays out these practical steps that uh, we can take in order to really deepen our own conscious living. Neil and I just finished a masterclass uh, that summarizes all of this key wisdom. Uh, there's a free program and then a 16-module masterclass. And for the first time ever uh, for this masterclass, because this wisdom is so important, uh, you can name your own price. So we, we tell people as they're looking yeah, over yeah. these 16 modules, if you can't afford it at all and you don't have a nickel, then good. Tell us it's zero and we're going to give you the masterclass anyway. Because that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Or you. Yeah. Yeah. Conversations with God had an impact on me about 15 years ago, probably. Um, I remember, I remember quite well reading it and just thinking this makes a lot of sense. And is that how you got involved with Neil? Is, is, is from that book way back when? Yeah. Yeah. So that was my personal awakening thing uh, in 1995, you know, the 90s was when. So so let me back up just very briefly. My book, which is it's a 50 year true story, is called A New Universal Dream. Um, so and I start with myself in my teen years where I had a divorced mom, uh, six brothers and sisters, very small home. Was even paying for my own braces because my parents couldn't afford braces. And so I had a paper out and the orthodontist let me make monthly payments. So I went from that to uh, unbelievably 11 years later, I'm uh, out in Silicon Valley 
And I, I'm in the totally in the right place at the right time. And I start two companies that each went to 75 million in revenue. The first one in 10 years, the second one in two years. That gave me entrance then to what I'm going to call, you know, the elite in Silicon Valley, where uh, some of the biggest, uh, wealthiest people in the Valley uh, were part of the business association that I belonged to. Uh, and during that time frame, I read uh, Conversations with God, book one. It came out in 1995. And yes, for me, you know, the, the God of my understanding spoke to me, the one that I'd known my whole life that really loves us unconditionally, supports us, all of these things. And over a period of time, over about six years, as I deepened my own conscious journey, I realized that, and I, and I was called actually to, to leave, sell everything, sell those businesses, leave those business associations, start humanities team. And here I am 20 years later. So I was called to conscious living myself. All of the things that we're talking about, the things that I were part of my journey. And in my book, I, I, uh, I lay that out of, you know, these incredible challenges that I endured is just one example. When I said to all of my friends and my family that I, you know, to, to them, I'd won the lottery because I was now in, in that seven figure a year club. And I said, I'm leaving. And I told my wife, I may never get another paycheck again in my life. And they thought I was crazy. And so part of what I talk about there in the book is how to, how to, um, take that social pressure, you know, and still move forward and follow that still small voice. You were referencing those action items on the, uh, but yeah. I had a little bit, did, I don't know. I don't know if my screen. Yeah. No, no, we can still hear you. Okay. So, uh, um, can, can you talk, can you talk about your sister's wedding in that, in that whole process? I did. Yeah. Yeah. That so, that, so you must've read part of the book or yeah. Cause, uh, so this was one of the lessons that I talked about too in the book is as I was young there and growing in Silicon Valley, I hadn't yet started my companies, uh, but my sister who was next in line after me, Maureen called me and said, I'm getting married. Wow. Would you come to my wedding? Uh, and, uh, and unbelievably I said to her, uh, well, you know, uh, I can try Maureen, you know, I'm, these days I work a lot of weekends and I'm not hundred percent sure I can come back to the wedding. Uh, and then what happened to me that night is I had probably everybody listening has had three or four or five dreams that were like so real that you, it, you know, you, you were pretty uh, to call it scared or taken aback would be very much of an understatement. I had a dream that Marine died uh, that night. And, and it was so real. I thought she died. And I, I waited until the morning to call her back and she did answer the phone. And I said, Maureen, um, I wouldn't miss your wedding, you know, for anything in the whole world. And, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be there and I look forward to it. And, I, and then a few months later, I went back uh, to her wedding. And then a few months later, I did get that phone call that I never wanted to get that she, uh, she had died. So uh, that did, that changed my life uh, in a big way. Yeah, you would have missed, the, you know, if you, if you didn't get that and you missed the wedding, you wouldn't have saw, maybe not even saw her again, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I, and, and I was like, how is, how did this happen to me? You know? And what I decided is uh, I decided a number of things. One, that there's this loving, uh, I'll use the word God, you know, that, uh, that adores actually each of us. Cause again, consider where we're, we're a part of, uh, of the one, there's only one universal presence. Uh, scientists even say, you know, 
you know, you ought to walk straight and tall. You ought to walk in good posture. You ought to be feeling incredible because the universe couldn't be without you. They almost sound like ministers and they're scientists. And so, and this is, this is exactly what conversations with God says as well is that we're spirit children, you know, that we're offspring of the one we're energetic beings coming from the one. And if we open ourselves, and on some level, I must have done that opened myself to just supreme understanding, which is why, how that dream happened to me. And it saved me really. And, and needless to say, another thing that came out of that is for the rest of my life, I never did something silly like that. When somebody, uh, something important's going on, somebody you love, a uh, wedding or something important, uh, I check out and I, I go, uh, I go, you know, attend to that. Uh, I realized that I'd really, you know, lost my way where I'm sit, what I'm, where I'm thinking that I might not even make uh, a sister's wedding. So you, you worked your ass off as a kid too, you know, the, the, uh, you know, you had all these jobs, you kind of just like, like, like a lot of us did as, as kids. I mean, we worked when we were 15 as soon as we could, we're working out of school. I mean, you know, trying to become free of our parents and as well as just make it on our, our own in the world. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of that is like, if you talk about the American dream thing and all that climbing up the corporate ladder. And I know a lot of that is, is, uh, is probably not healthy in some ways. I kind of went, went through a bit of that myself and ended up in addiction. And then that's when conversations with God came out. I mean, kind of went up and down that ladder, but, um, but there's also got to be a bit of a happy medium, right? Like we need to work our asses off a little bit here just to, just to stay, you know, um, just to stay, you know, healthy and, and alive right now in this, in this world. I mean, it's kind of like the way we're set up right now. And you got a lot of these kids that are coming in. They're sort of a little bit entitled, a little bit sort of, you know, a lot of anxiety, a little bit of victimhood they're, They don't want to work. Like how, how do we, is, is, are you guys sort of, uh, sort of addressing the youth in any way where they can take a little bit more responsibility and not go as far as like we went? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, if we back up to start where where we were, which is, you know, you're, of course, right on target there, overworking and so on. So these are symptoms of not being conscious. So part of what, when I look back on those years where I was just knocking it out, killing myself, uh, I didn't understand this oneness thing. You know, I mean, right here, right now for you, me, uh, for for all of your listeners, the divine is actually present. There is no separation at all. There, there is non-separated separation, which is that we believe we're separate. And so we don't call upon what's there. Uh, but, but there is actually no separation. Once we really understand that and we start living into it, and that's what conscious living is, then we don't do these things. We actually, I, I used to, uh, just to give you an example, when I was younger in my Silicon Valley days, Going to bed at night was just like a gap. It was like I just was when I hit the pillow, I wanted to just wake up in the morning. It was I just wanted to fill the gap. I didn't really want it. There was nothing about sleep that I valued. Now, wow, I love my sleeping hours. I mean, I'm I'm just in heaven where I'm sleeping and I devote, I'll leave seven, eight hours even longer uh, to sleep because I know now where I'm working, I have the full power of this one uh, behind me. These resources are there, this omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence, you know, these three words that when I say that the whole ocean is in you, I mean it. The wisdom is at your fingertips. The power of it is at your fingertips where you're setting that big agenda, you know, and 
what we've been talking about, health and healing and well-being and alchemy for our homes, communities, and the planet. So I don't have to try and bang it out and work like crazy the way I did uh, in years past. Now I can relax. I put in a full day, don't get me wrong, but it's not crazy like before. Now, as to um, the current generation, you know, the generation X and Z and alpha and so on, um, I think there's a lot uh, that that they, first of all, I think many of them uh, are uh, uh, highly evolved coming into this planet. And we all know these kids that were nature and and uh, and just their own interactions with the world in, in many ways are very, very evolved. Uh, there's a lot of, they, they, they want more meaning and purpose in, in their work. So where you try and put them to work in a, like I worked for IBM before I started my companies and they had all these sales contests, they, they would have no interest in just a sales contest to make money for the sake of making money. They want, you know, they ask, where's the meaning in this? Where's the purpose in this? Is this a conscious business? Is this contributing, you know, to the community and to the world? Now, where you can really put all of that together for them and also give them training uh, because I think a lot of times they've, they're so good with social media and their phones and things that a lot of the, uh, some of the skills that we picked up as boomers coming through, they don't have. So in many cases they do want and need training where all of that's provided uh, then, wow, they'll, they'll just shine. So for example, in humanities team, my, uh, lead programmer. This guy is just genius. I mean, he's like Mark and Breezen, you know, he's unbelievable. He's just from another planet, a very young guy that just has all this genius in, uh, in programming. So, which is part of how we have this streaming platform that we, where we stream these uh, video trainings and live programs all over the world. And yet we're, a, you know, at least to what I would consider a smaller organization. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to talk about here. That kind of gets to some of it. Darren, do you have any questions or I'm going to keep going? No. Yeah. You go keep, keep going. So uh, this might be a bit of a difficult question, but how do you, how do you, um, I, I feel like learning all this spiritual stuff does give us the discernment, you know, discernment for what's, what's true, what's sort of false out there. And we're dealing with a narrative in the world right now. That's, that's pretty, overwhelming and there's a lot of lies in there and you know i gotta be honest when you start start off today talking about global warming i i all, all of a sudden got my hackles up a little bit because i'm like immediately that that triggers in me that that i'm being blamed for my carbon dioxide exhaust and i don't really i don't really buy into that necessarily i don't i don't i like i'm i'm sort of more of like uh, we got to clean up the environment the chemicals the pollution like the real pollution so how do you guys stay out of the political pop culture war right now? Um, because it's, it's all around, it's very polarizing. And, and I'm just giving you an example of like, cause I didn't see a lot of that in my research of, 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 uh, of your organizations, your, your stuff. Like it was, it was like uh, thrive, um, thrive Two from foster gamble. You know, they get, I don't know if you've seen the movie thrive Two or if you're connected with that group or not. Yeah. But they they kept it there. They they kept it really sort of apolitical. It's like, hey, this is what's going on with energy, with the universe, with our connectivity, and all that. Like, there must be it must be a challenge now to try and not go too far on one side or the other. So, uh, you know, Martin Luther King said uh, that only the light can heal darkness. Right? Darkness can't he can't can't do that. And 
uh, which is a pretty simple little basic quote, but it's exactly true. And so you're right, you know, in humanities team, we don't, in, in fact, the last thing that the world needs is, which is, I think what you're getting to here is, you know, here in the U.S., we've got these red states and blue states and polarity on this and polarity on that and uh, this victimizing and, and, point, and finger pointing and all of this. The last thing we need is more of that. There's no uh, nothing to be gained in that. Uh, you know, what we can do, in fact, if we're wanting to fall into that, is these people that we you know think we dislike, uh, they've been through heartaches that we've been through. I talked about my Marine story. They've had stories like this too, you know, where we come from a common energy. We we are one. Um, you know, again, I and I, I work with these mediums where we're in the afterlife all day long, you know, with family members, angels, guides. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an environment of perfect love on, in, in this uh, non-physical realm. Uh, and we you know, what conversations with God and a lot of the mystics share, and even science is, uh, is, is, is suspecting is true, is that we come into this life because it wasn't enough to be, you know, I'll call it a candle and a sun. If there's nothing but perfect light, which is what this, you could call it heavenly realm or non-physical realm or absolute realm is, then, uh, you know, how can we be the light? The only way to be the light is to come down to embody, come down on the earth where there is darkness, where there's this contrast. And then, just as you're mentioning, the last thing we want to do is go into the polarity, the finger pointing, uh, the blaming. There's just no value in that. So what we do, however, is this whole, you know, only light can heal the darkness. So when you really study what conscious living is, study, you know, just if you don't like spiritual figures, study the scientists. Study Nassim Harriman and the Resident Science Foundation as one example. Study his equations and what he's saying. Um, you'll see that there is this one energy uh, for that's physical and non-physical, smallest to largest, that is extends across the entire universe. And as you feel into that, as you, after you get yourself educated, as you feel into that and start deciding who you are and how you want to live your life, because it was self. Uh, I, I came into a whole new self-definition myself in the mid '90s from my own awakening experience, where I no longer. I decided I, I was primarily not the son of Linda and Joe, my parents. I was primarily the offspring of the one. My parents just delivered me to the earth. But uh, And once I made that decision and really started living into what this oneness thing is, uh, then, you know, and I, I think, you know, things like flow, which you all and your listeners probably can relate to, we come into, it's a different reality. We look out on a world that is sacred. People are here on their own uh, journey to self-actualization through many lifetimes. Uh, everybody's doing their best. Uh, we have just a whole different worldview. And uh, what we're called to is the particular gifts uh, and genius that we bring to the planet. I was called to starting to starting humanities team and getting this conscious streaming platform going all over the world and taking this initiative, changing humanity's future out. Uh, so we can speak about it all over the planet and invite people to live consciously so that we can then heal, you know, again, all of these individual and collective uh, problems that are out there. So, uh, so, so yes, what we want to do is we want to go to these, these things that I'm calling being the light that are when, which is just being loving, being truthful, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I keep it non-dogmatic, yeah. just very, very simple, right? Yeah. Very simple and straightforward. And, like, and can you, you feel good, you know, when you're conscious. Yeah. About it. yeah. No, I totally get all that and I appreciate it. But can you, can you insulate yourselves from like from organizations like the UN who have their own global spirituality movement? I mean, a lot of people are kind of bashing the new age these days. I heard a, a great podcast that you had with a bunch of uh, leaders. It was your, the one on your leadership, like yeah. leadership, uh, new global leadership sort of podcast. It was a great, great show. Um, but the, one of the ladies there was talking about like this sort of new, like kind of a global religion. Not, no, sorry. It's not, she mentioned it wasn't a religion. It's more of like a, like a, I guess, like a spiritual movement, which would encompass everything. But, you know, the, I think the reason why people are skeptical of some new age stuff, I mean, I've been admitted sort of like a new ager for years. I mean, I'm a little bit more skeptical myself now, but, but it's because of, uh, you know, people like, um, uh, what's her name that was in, uh, you know, Lucius, Lucius Trust. She started Lucius Trust. Um, Alice Bailey, who broke off from the Theosophical Society back when and went into the UN with these goals that are like kind of creepy goals for like, hey, we want one world religion to sort of take over. And so how do you, I mean, how do you insulate yourself from that or 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 make sure that you're not going to be perceived as, or does it even matter? I mean, maybe it doesn't matter. You just follow the light and, and it all works out, but. Yeah, what we, what we encourage people to do is just, um, you know, really get educated you know, number one, which is, again, why we have our streaming platform with hundreds of these video trainings, all of the, as you mentioned, leaders, almost all of them have programs on our platform, then, then uh, overcome resistance from people. I mentioned, you know, there were one of the times in my life where I'm leaving Silicon Valley and everybody's saying, what the heck are you doing? You know, have you lost your mind? And so we, we all go through that where we have to overcome resistance from people as we're following that uh, still small voice. Uh, Clearing limiting beliefs, you know, where we think, oh, I can only go this far or I can only I was a middle kid, you know, myself. I mentioned there were seven, seven kids in my family growing up, divorced mom. The, the middle kid is the listener. It's like the little kid isn't out on the middle kid. is not out on media all over the place with microphones talking to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I do that now. Um, why? That's not how I was. I wasn't born or grew up that way. Uh, why? Because I have this passion for what uh, for for the life that I'm living and how this conscious living thing works, and to invite other people to it and really see it, feel it, taste it, touch it. I went, as I mentioned earlier, to the center of Silicon Valley wealth creation, where there were billionaires there, and I and 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 the prosperity and uh, abundance was not there. So, but then when I was called to conscious living, what I what I'm doing now where I don't make, you know, seven figures. In fact, I don't even make a salary at all. Uh, this is where I found real prosperity, real abundance, real deliciousness and living. So what we're uh, wanting to do is, as you mentioned, we're not getting tangled up and things like that. We're just simply inviting people to get yourself educated, clear your limiting beliefs, overcome your resistance, and then uh, start assimilating or living into this oneness in the way that you're called to live into it. We're all called to do it differently. Neil Donald Walsh is my partner. I work closely with him. He and I are completely different. You know, his calling and my calling are are very different, but we both fit inside of oneness. We just have different stations in life. Do you, do you have any advice for conscious leaders, like business leaders in the world right now? Like, you know, how, how do you navigate this where, you know, the, 
the government wants to tax you for your carbon and yet, you know, you, you can just pollute and pollute in other ways. I mean, obviously you want to be conscious about the environment and, um, and life in general. So a ton. Yeah. I mean, a ton. I actually have whole programs just for business people. And I'm, I'm doing programs like yours that are just for tomorrow too, just for business. So, because my background is business and, and yeah. here's the thing is uh, conscious business is this huge, just, just enormous opportunity out there right now, because we were talking about generation X and Z and alpha and so on. Uh, we're also, uh, even boomers, you know, uh, where they're post-COVID, you know, they're, if there's not enough meaning and purpose uh, or where there's a sense of isolation, it's a real problem. If you can create a culture within your organization that is conscious, and there's a lot involved in that, but uh, I, I've done it, you know, and it's it's a beautiful thing. And when you create a culture like that, which basically is you're, you're very thoughtful, compassionate, I'll even use the term loving, you know, and certainly truthful, uh, where you create a culture like that. Uh, and, and, and part of the culture is wanting to affect positive change in your community and in the world. Uh, it's unbelievable the people that are going to knock on your door that want to work for the business, the customers that love that, vendors that are used to being treated terribly, that are treated well. Uh, so there's unbelievable opportunity in conscious business. And I'll give you one example, too, of conscious business is just just where billions and billions of dollars are being invested right now. And it's it's regenerative agriculture. Isn't it interesting? What's taking the lead right now worldwide in conscious business is agriculture. And what it is, is uh, all over the planet, you know, we've been using pesticides and fertilizers and all this stuff that actually is hurting the soil and producing a, a, a lousier crop each year. In uh, regenerative agriculture, it, it, you know, my screen again is kind of funny here. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you fine, yeah. Okay. Um, so in regenerative agriculture, um, we're now bringing in a farm animals and animal, animal stock uh, that is part of what is, attending to the land and uh, we're uh, harvesting crops that aren't exposed to all of these kinds of elements. And we're getting investors that are coming in just for the natural water, watering systems uh, and for other things that are harvested other than crops where investors are paying for this. Um, so there's all of these stakeholders that are coming in and regenerative agriculture where you're building uh, cycles and systems that harvest better crops, that take better care of the land, uh, that produce better food. And so uh, even in places we, we right here in uh, Boulder, they, there are many organizations that focus on this. They were just in Portugal. Before that, they were down in South America. And hundreds of millions of dollars are pouring into this regenerative agriculture in all these countries all over the world. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is conscious business. Yeah, that's a great Not example. Yeah. About growing profits, you know, larger and larger and larger profits. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how is, how's disclosure? Oh, Darren, go ahead. Go disclosure, ahead. you're going to get it. We're getting into aliens. Well, we have to ask the question. Do we? we yeah. Have well, because it's going to affect this whole movement and everything. Yeah. Did you ever, uh, have you ever eaten any mushrooms, Steve? I have, um, yeah. you know, 
back in, in my, in the book, I talk about, you know, the, uh, my early years there in my teens, my, with a, my divorced mom and stuff. And yeah, I mean, so I was experimenting back then at 15, at 16, I hitchhiked around the United States and, uh, and then by 17, I'd been through it all and I didn't, didn't uh, ever smoke or do anything more after that, but I did before that time. And that, that, that one month long, like you went hitchhiking at 60, like I wanted to bring that up because it's such a weird thing to even think of nowadays. Like imagine a 16 year old nowadays, just hitchhiking across the U S I mean, I know you probably can't even hitchhike these days, but that made a huge change. That made a huge impact on you, right? Changed me. Yeah. Just really changed me. I, I left, you know, uh, just kind of with one profile, one disposition and, and I came back and. And I, I uh, just decided that I wanted to be uh, live sort of a, a cleaner life uh, and was my room, you know, was cleaned up. I got my grades up so I could get into a good college. And I mean, a lot of things changed. I, what I decided when I was out of the road is there are a lot of people that picked us up that really didn't know what they wanted in life and really didn't have any money. And uh, I could tell, you know, they weren't really that happy. And I just decided, you know, I don't want to be that. I don't, I don't want to have a life like that. I want to, I want to, I want to be on fire about something. I want to have a passion, you know, I want to really uh, be driving for something. Uh, so that uh, trip, yeah, it was actually there between my sophomore and junior year in high school. And uh, it was a, actually a dangerous time to be hitchhiking all over the United States. And where there was a time we were when we were in Nebraska, where we'd been standing there on the highway for about 11 hours and a trucker pulled over and he wanted us to get into a cab in the back where we couldn't, where he could be driving, you know, we, no windows, couldn't see where we were going and there was no way to get out. And we, uh, we declined, didn't, didn't do it. And I might've saved my life, you know, by making that decision then. Yeah. But what, what an experience for a 16 year old. I mean, just to go through all that, like, I don't, I don't know if kids get to experience that sort of that challenge, all the, you know, like just doing it on yourself, on your own. Like, I mean, what, what can kids do these days to even well, they garner can, like change your gender? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, people still say, my God, your parents let you do that. What, what were they thinking? Uh, all I know is it worked for me. You know, my my life is kind of again in in this book. You know, I tell the story. It's it's a very uh, unlikely story. You know that you could that young hitchhike and and then the, what happened in Silicon Valley and then to leave it all and do what I'm doing. It, yeah. Uh, but but I do feel that this journey is taking me to, as I mentioned, you know, a really truly delicious life, and it's why. And now I, I want that for everybody. You know, and and I don't. I'm not going to proselytize anything, but but just share the truth of what this is and what people can find, you know, if they want to, uh, if they want to really follow their own uh, still small voice, their own calling. Yeah. So let's, okay. So there's been a lot of coverage over the UFOs and the aliens. I mean, the mainstream media is all of a sudden picking up on this stuff that that's got to have a direct impact on your sort of organization, changing humanity's future as now we're, we're going to potentially be accepting what we've a lot of, a lot of us have already sort of been waiting for or believed in uh, something greater than us, you know, uh, ETs, aliens. Is that something that's on your guys's radar? Well, for sure. I mean, first of all, I have seen a UFO. Um, so when I was young, I didn't, didn't have this in my book, but 
when I was young there, 11 years old, right, right in there, I was with my brother. So, which is really awesome because nobody would have ever believed me. You know, I say, <laughs> I saw UFO, but my older brother and I were standing together and by God, I'll tell you, there was a UFO that was only about maybe 700 feet out, you know, in the sky above our neighborhood that was just hovering right there. And uh, my brother and I were sitting there looking at it going, what the heck is that? And then when it did move, just as is reported in the press, you know, it moved it just like that. Boom. It just, it's just, it's, you, you know, as I got older, I would start to think, how could anybody live when something moves that fast? You'd be, you know, you'd be squashed against the side if, by gravity, you know, where it moves that fast. And of course, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, it was there just just sitting there, you know, and hovering until it moved that fast. And then it went out over trees and was gone. Uh, but so but here's the, the the bigger thing. That's just my personal story. But um, yes, what this there, there's a lot of things opening up now. I'm going to say I'm going to call it use the term siloed. So that's kind of being siloed as its own thing. Then you have other things. The near-death experience is getting a lot of attention in its own silo. People are looking at that. And then the mediums that are connecting with the afterlife, people are looking at that. Uh, and then you've got healings, you know, John of God. People have probably heard of him. Other healers, too. There's Reiki healing, where there are, you know, Wayne Dyer was healed before he before he passed. So you've got now a lot of phenomena that can't be explained at all by the science that we grew up with going through high school and college. I mean, it just, there was no science around any of this. So one has to ask, if you start putting these silos together and saying, you know, how can there be energy healing and UFOs and uh, psychic abilities where we're lifting the veil to afterlife? Um, you know, what, if, if, if we are, if there is just a universal presence or universal consciousness that pervades the entire universe, and it's it's an energy field. Then we start to get answers to all of these things, you know. And in energy, uh, all of these things are possible. <laughs> it's just a, you know, it's adding to that science that we grew up with. It was just a physical body science. Um, let me make a comparison here. It's, it's a comparison we make with our Changing Humanity's Future initiative. If if you Google Galileo moment, okay, what you'll this is this is what you'll see. Galileo was this uh, what in the early 1600s the he was this the scientist and physicist and astronomer that was one of the most notable in the world. And uh, at that time, in the early 1600s, they believed that the sun and the whole universe was revolving around the Earth. Right? We've probably all heard about that, uh, and Galileo, his science and astronomy said, wait a minute, you know, there's a lot that's wrong here. One, we're in a solar system, okay? Uh, and there's a sun in the solar system and we're revolving around the sun. The sun is not revolving around us. And then yes, there's a whole universe and we are not in the center of the whole universe. We're just in a solar system that's in the universe. So now that might not sound like such a big deal, but in the early 1600s, this was a really big deal. They were the church was killing heretics back then, and he barely uh, was able to, to 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 not be killed himself. He was under house arrest to the end of his life because of this science, because he had the courage to bring out the science. Now, likewise, today, uh, you can probably see where I'm going. 
all of the new science, again, is saying we're spiritual beings. It's not just we're actually just inhabiting physical bodies. We have all of these capacities. Um, once we embrace this new science, uh, there's just a completely different way that we live on the earth. We in humanities team, we call it conscious living. And this is where we can I'm using the term live deliciously. And what's more is we become part of what happens is we become uh, a force for positive change. Uh, we affect uh, good in the world. It's just what you do when you see yourself as part of the one. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so we, we, we just go uh, individually and collectively to this whole new way of, of living on the earth. Darren, do you got a question? Can you, can you, can you like uh, dig into that a little deeper on what that looks like? Sort of on, yeah, just, I won't, I won't lead you on any more than that. Yeah. So um, here's how it is for me. Okay. Is, um, um, well, well, first of all, there, there are different levels of consciousness, right? Subconscious, which is we grew up with in our first six years. Then there's conscious where we're just aware I'm going to go to the store. Then there's super consciousness and super consciousness is when we're standing at a subway station somebody falls on the tracks and just like that, we jump down to pick them up off the tracks without, you know, and just finding a way to help the person survive and ourselves survive. And then at the highest level is supra consciousness. Now in supra consciousness where we understand, you know, we've educated ourselves in this whole diversity and unity thing in this unified field in this oneness thing where we really deeply understand how it works. And a, uh, it's, it's easier for me because I've been working around for so many years, the near-death experience people and the mediums and the scientists. I work with Nassim Harriman, you know, a physicist. He's one of the most noted physicists in the world today. And Greg Braden, uh, who's also a scientist, and Bruce Lipton, who's a biologist. And I get to work around all of these people, you know, and have for years and years and years. And when you work around all of them for so many years, you really start to totally get how the universe really works. And, and then you can, you start living into it uh, where you really become a part of it. You know, so like sometimes people will say the, the bigger self with a capital S as, as opposed to the smaller self. So the smaller self is all about me. You know, I want this, I want that. Um, the bigger self is still taking good care of myself and I'm married and I have kids. And, uh, but, but now I, I cast a wider net, you know, it's about, uh, really caring about future generations in my community in Colorado and the country and the whole world. Uh, so, and in super consciousness, I think you become, in some ways, you've heard this, you know, this metaphor, we become the arms and legs and lungs, you know, of what's out there. Um, me personally. So I look at uh, all these challenges out there, um, you know, and we, we're going to call them something different and some we believe and some we don't, but, Almost everybody would say in today's world uh, that there's they're concerned, you know, for future generations, that they're not sure our kids and future generations are going to inhabit, you know, a healthy world. Most most people would say. 100%, yeah. Uh, so and, and then, you know, and this is I come in with. OK, so what are all the ways I can contribute, you know, yeah. that I can give, you know, with the team that I work with that you guys would be are part of the team, you know. Uh, the people I work with every day are part of the team. What can we do, you know, to so that because there's nothing 
that would be more beautiful for me that when my life is over, you know, and I transition and I leave my physical body, boy, if if the world is starting to look sustainable and flourishing, you know, and the future generations are think are starting to really have hope again. Hey, I'll tell you, if I have anything to do with that at all, uh, that's going to be a life well lived. And and also, it also personally benefits you because being of service. I'm sure there's some studies and all that about the contentment and happiness of people that have, are of service. You know, being of service, getting out of yourself, helping people, helping that wider circle, in gratitude at physic physio physio physiology changes in your body when you're in gratitude. So, I mean, it's also very, you know, freeing in that way. That's, that's exactly right. You know, and when I was saying at night, um, you know, sleeping the way I do, um, I can't compare it to anything that, uh, you know, earlier in my life, I never slept where I'd wake up not that much. And when I do, I'm like, Oh man, I'm in the most comfortable bed in the world. And, uh, and not that, and, you know, we bought the sheets and, stuff, you know, 17 years ago, I don't have any luxurious bed. It's just, uh, it's, it's just uh, that what you're saying, you know, I I'm doing like during the day and here in the evening, you know, I'm really giving it what I got. Yeah. You all clearly love the same work, which is why you've created this podcast. When we give of ourselves that way, you know, what uh, sacred text says, it says, give unto the kingdom, right. And then all things are given unto you. And I call that the boomerang effect. And and um, so the, a lot of people think, oh, this conscious living, we're going to, you know, you have to go live in a cave in a loincloth or something. It's not like that. There's a lot of really fantastic things that happen to you and that support your family. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. You feel really good, which is what your question was about. So uh, yeah. why would we not want to live this way is the question yeah. I would ask. Yeah. Isn't it just a matter of just like, being your authentic self all the time. Is that really what it sort of boils down to? Or is there more to it to that? Is it just have to be like a spiritual aspect to it or like a philanthropic? Aspect? Yeah. So that's a great question. I mean, it's a great question because we're, we're guys. And, and so here's the thing is uh, at least, you know, where I grew up uh, the alpha male, you know, was kind of the guy that was held up, you know, that really just sort of strong and ego. And this is pounding the table and, and stuff uh, in Silicon Valley. That's what it was. Mostly alpha males, you know. So uh, and and I'm not an alpha male. I've never been an alpha male. Uh, so uh, this is where overcoming resistance. So I think there's a lot of the, the uh, guys, too, uh, just like women, you're called to be a force for good, to say the truth, to be in service and all of these things. And uh, it's not, it's not always seen as cool. You know, let me give you a, when, when I was the entrepreneur and I started these two $75 million companies and I was working with the elite and social in, in Silicon Valley, people thought I was a rock star there. You know, they'd ask, they'd let me complete their sentence. Of, oh, you know, he started those companies. And and that they that's how I was treated. Now you're pretty young too at the time. I was I was young, yeah. So, uh, but then when I left and I and I went off in this spiritual journey, let me tell you, <laughs> you know, I was thrown right off a cliff. I mean, in people's minds, I com completely lost my mind, and and there was not any uh, uh, esteemed for me or my family at all. Uh, 
more so in Boulder once we move. But uh, so, so when we talk about authenticity, you know, to be your authentic self, sometimes you're having to endure, you know, you're kind of going against social preferences. You're a guy, you know, and guys, and you're instead of a guy that's sort of pounding the table and you've got these two big businesses and you're making all this money, it's, it's different. Now we're talking the way we're talking. Uh, guys aren't always held in high esteem, you know, talking this way. So this is where, though, part of conscious living is, is, is you were going to those action steps earlier, Graham, and, and, and that first action step is listening to that still small voice within and being guided by it. And where you do that, uh, then you're getting to your authentic self. So uh, getting to our authentic self is really digging down deeper and really finding the real, the true self. And it doesn't matter if, uh, if it doesn't fit people's social expectations of you, you, you are doing it anyway, because it's who you really are. You think you could have pulled it off without the confidence behind you building $150 million with the companies? I, I do. I mean, I, I mean, I think, that puts a lot of wind in your sails, right? Yeah, I I uh, you know part of what I I love and and do well is um, is I I building a conscious culture, you know, and and uh, with it, and conscious cultures. I talked about it from one side, but another side to it is it's unbelievably powerful when when you harness the energy of people that are there with this dream and it's an inspiring environment and they're, and you're treating them well, cause you really want to treat them well. Uh, you, you um, harness hurricane winds. So humanity's team, you know, we're gosh, about a hundred people. I call that a small, small organization. Uh, and, and it's unbelievable what we're doing all over the world with only that many people. Um, we, you know, we have harnessed a hurricane. Uh, that's what that's what you do when you create conscious cultures. Everybody is on fire to go do what it is that they do. Uh, so yes, if I if I uh, I lost my passion for business is what happened to me there in Silicon Valley because uh, just just creating you know bigger and bigger and bigger company with more and more and more money. Um, you know I saw what that produced. Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't that pretty, you know. There were the the, the pressures and the tension and, on relationships where you're just feeding that business to grow it bigger and bigger and bigger, uh, and which marginalizes then the people around you, including your partner, your kids, uh, coworkers. Uh, I didn't. Yes, could I could I have made that kind of money? Yeah, I think I could have. Uh, did I want to do it? No, I didn't. Yeah. And it seems like a, about being sort of responsible too and being honest. And I mean, how are you going to change the world if you can't even, if you're lying to people or you're not being authentic in yourself? Like it, it really just seems like the people, the type of people you're talking about are not going to be blaming people and being victims. They're going to be like responsible for their own thinking and thoughts and what they put in their body and how they react to things. Like it's very refreshing to be around and work around people like that. That'll take responsibility for their, for their bullshit. Yeah, you know, and and so what was going on with me as I was going through my own personal awakening, I'm going to use the term cognitive dissonance. Uh, cognitive dissonance is when uh, I'm not, you could just call it conscience, but is where like I'm on private planes or I was in a private ski area where Bill Gates and those kinds of people own their homes. It's gated, you know, nobody can ski there but the members. 
And when I was doing things like that, uh, my conscience, or I call it cognitive dissonance, where your brain is saying, you know, what am I doing here? Uh, on the one hand, you know, I told you how I grew up, where it's like, what, you know, wow. I mean, you know, where you're on these jets and in these uh, ski area like that and doing these luxurious things. And it's a, it's a wow thing. But on the other hand, in today's world, your, your, you know, your conscience or your brain and cognitive dissonance is, is, is sort of tapping you on the shoulder saying, is this really what you were meant to do? Is this where you're supposed to be? Is this how you're supposed to live your life? So this is the opposite of what we were saying earlier when we were talking about this great feeling and this gratitude and, you know, where you're feeling great because of how you're living your life. And, and even and then I'm saying even sleep great. Uh, so that was not happening back in that time frame when I was living that really uh, luxurious lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it, it was a transition to this from that through uh, by taking this conscious journey. Yeah. I got, I got another question kind of off topic a bit, but because you're connected with so many people and I mentioned thrive with foster gamble and that whole search for clean energy, free energy and all that. Do you foresee that being a big part of this change coming up too? Have you seen any murmurings around about that? Or do you, are you aware of anything that's happening? We have one of our master classes is called five year guide and uh, Greg Braden created it. And, and he has uh, a whole section in that masterclass and five year guide uh, that he does with Nassim Harriman on this, on inner free energy and all of the energy that will harness that is absolutely free. Uh, and so the scientists say, yes, it's here and uh, it will be developed uh, and it's, it's coming. So I believe him. Yeah. I believe yeah. that's part of this future. Great. Yeah. Awesome. I love Greg, Greg Braden. He's, he's amazing. He's fantastic. Such a good hearted, you know, really good hearted man. Yeah. And the seam too, of course. I mean, we've had a lot of those resonance foundation guys on here. They're all awesome. You know, great organization. Yeah, totally. Uh, and this, they're going to come out this year with this unified field, you know, research where uh, I know because we created a masterclass with him and with Greg that uh, they're, it, they, they go to 13 decimal points. So remember back to grade school where it's 0. 0.00000, you know, that it, his proofs are to 13 decimal points that all of the universe is one energy. It's astounding. And uh, uh, looking forward to him bringing all of that science out in the open. Yeah, that'll be good. Yeah. Well, this has been great, Steve. Where can our listeners find your stuff? What's your website? Do you have any social media? Of course, we'll put all that in the show notes, but, uh, you know, 70% of these people don't go to the show notes. So we always like to spit it out here. And then uh, if they're interested, it'll sort of stick into their head and they can type it in later. Yeah, super. Well, uh, so this book, it's called A New Universal Dream. Uh, it just came out uh, a month ago, brand new book that is a 50 plus year uh, true story. And it chronicles the whole thing all the way to today from my early teenage years. And, and the thing I do in this book beyond, of course, I tell the story in a lot greater detail than we were able to hear. But Throughout the book, I stop with all of these learning moments with the Marine story, with the, where I learned what being was versus doing, uh, where I was overcoming the resistance of social pressures. I just stop throughout the book and say, this is the thing that I learned here is with the wisdom that came to me, the process I developed for moving forward. 
and and really that was why I wrote the book was to uh, give people tools because conscious living does take us to this beautiful place. I've used this term delicious living and things like that, prosperity, true abundance. Uh, but there is a lot of, of learning along the way, uh, a lot of challenge along the way. And throughout the book, I stop and get into those things uh, so people can really uh, see what tools I was acquiring, you know, to grow into who I've become. So when you go to that uh, page, a new universal dream.com, um, it talks a little more about the book. The first four chapters are unlocked. So you can, you can start reading it for free. And then people that, that buy the book, if they enter their receipt number on the, uh, on the page there, uh, we'll, we give you my conscious leadership masterclass, which is a $299 masterclass. So it's a $19 book and we give you a, uh, $299 masterclass by just entering your receipt number. Uh, and uh, we think those two things, the book and my masterclass uh, are going to give people just a lot of tools that, that will help support this whole vision that I've been talking about, making conscious living pervasive worldwide by 2040. Uh, that's, that's our big dream. That's what we're working towards. Uh, and, and I'll just say, you know, the, my big invitation to people is here is, Clearing these limiting beliefs that we have, we all grew up with all these limiting beliefs. I'm going to die one day that I'm the middle kid. I can only go this far. You know, I can't go talk to big audiences. Uh, we can overcome all of that. They don't belong here. We need to clear them out. Uh, and next is uh, to grow into our highest and best self, you know, whoever, whatever that is, we're all called to something different. And now when we're in the middle of this, this great shift of the ages here on, on the earth where we're moving in this positive direction toward a sustainable and flourishing planet, we need every single bit that every person has to offer. So, you know, that's my invitation. Just stretch into that. What is your own version of your highest and grandest self? And uh, become that. And, uh, and then all the things we've been talking about here where you feel great and this boomerang effect and you sleep well and you you know, life is delicious. All of these things happen. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. It's been great. Come back anytime. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, a total pleasure being with you guys, Graham and Darren. Thank you for, uh, for having me. And uh, thanks for doing the work that you're doing. You guys are putting a microphone in front of a lot of good people. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Put your name on that list, sir. Have a wonderful evening. Okay. You too, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that was a chat with Steve Farrell. What'd you think, buddy? That was great. I should have mentioned I, I have this soft pillow that I put behind my head and I put my hands on the soft pillow every night because like I just see, I have tons of gratitude for a soft, soft sheets and the soft bed too. I know what he's talking about. Oh dude, I want hard on my bed. I just love it. I love it. I like I lie there also and just just after living in like the studio for a while and all that, you know, after the divorce, that's like the first when I had some money again, that was the first thing I like splurged on. Cause I was like, we were doing the Airbnbs and all that. And we'd sometimes the beds suck, but sometimes the beds are fucking awesome. And then I'd come home and I'd be like, fuck, my bed's <laughs> yeah, And then so I just went out and got the bed so that I'm always happy. Yeah. To come back to it. Oh yeah, Maria makes money because I always want the soft pillowcase and the soft like. And it's only been the last couple of years I've been just obsessed with this just softness and just really soaking it up in bed. What? 
<laughs> I didn't say any of that. I just said I like it, a good bat. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're not you soaking it up. It, it's all good. Big that was thing. good. No, that was good. I mean, I think they're doing a lot of good work. I was pretty surprised when I looked at their list of uh, all the all the people that are in uh, in the in the in the like the leadership group of all the all the like teachers in there. I mean, holy, what a you know, Lynn McTaggart, Bruce uh, Lipton. I mean, he named a lot of them too. But amazing people. The chats are busting his balls a little bit. Mean bastards. Big thanks, Steve, for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Even bigger thanks if you're one of the 1% that chooses to support our work over here. If you think we're doing a good job, if you like what we're doing, I think 610 episodes, all there, all for free. Plus all the other things we do. Uh, head over to grindamerica.ca slash support today. Sign up for a monthly and make a one-time donation. We're doing our best to add a little value to the world. Uh, maybe you could do a little bit and send a little value back our way. Uh, we are still trying to recover from the PayPal debacle that happened last November when we spent, you know, $5,000 of our own money to go and interview the son of the infamous D.B. Cooper. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that PayPal thing happened while we were there. Oh, I forgot about that. Like, right. While we were at breakfast, I was just like going, watching all these email cancels come in. Just and you know what's funny? It wasn't even our like listeners' fault or anything. It was a bullshit debacle that just it it it's almost like it was engineered to fuck up a bunch of small independent uh, creators. Cost us almost twenty five percent of our support. We clawed back about almost ten percent of that back. We're still in the hole. If you guys can, when you can, head to America.ca slash support today. Sign up for monthly or make a one time donation. We would be forever in your gratitude. Everywhere for everything else we're up to. We got trips, we got tours, we got audiobooks, we got another podcast, we got Substacks. It's all there at America.ca. And that we love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Be nice. Be nice in the chats. What was happening in the chats? No, we, we shouldn't uh, talk. We're still live, aren't we? Let's not. We're still live. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't figure out how to shut this fucking thing off now. There we go. Okay. Jeez. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in the live show. Uh, we're back. That's it. We're not live. We won't be live for a while now. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have a bit of a break here. We're taking a vacation, a holiday. Well, I don't know what Graham's doing. He might not be. But I'm going to be uh, touring around the USA camping. For uh, for a couple of weeks, so we'll be back. I don't. I think we're back. What on the twentieth of July? Something somewhere around there, eighteenth or twentieth or something. Are you checking? No, eighteenth. Nope, I think yeah, eighteenth. I think. No, I don't. I think it's the twentieth. Eighteenth. I tried to give you some time off after you got back. Perfect. I might. I'll probably be a few days late by the sounds of it, by the looks of it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in the live show. Uh, we will be back to our regular programming at the end of July. You fussing, you fighting when you come around. Won't be enough. Come on and get me. I'm homesick and I'm bored.
Sarah Lab to light on in the daytime in a room.